Welcome to A Piece of Me. I'm Aviva Breda. This podcast will explore all of the pieces that make up who we are and all of the things that make us special, unique, and different. And we're going to debunk the just that we have in our lives. You're just this. You're just that. You're not just anything. I'll start. Here's a piece of me. Hi, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, Before we get to the new episode with Allison Small, which really, really was, it's a fantastic episode and I am sure you are all going to really, really enjoy it. I just wanted to take a minute to thank you all for bearing with me during my uh, sporadic and intermittent uh, releasing dates over the summer. Typically, I like to release a new episode every other Wednesday. It has been a little bit wonky for the past uh, month or so, but I'm hoping that um, to get back on track after uh, the month of holidays coming up, which is the month of September. Right now, we are right about to get into back to school. Tomorrow is my kid's first day of school, so today, because I'm recording this the night before I release it. Um, and, um, just have a lot of balls in the air right now. So, um, thank you again for sticking with me. Um, I have a bunch more very exciting episodes lined up and I look forward to you, uh, hearing all of them. Uh, feel free to reach out if there's ever anything you'd like to hear more about or, um, have me if there, you know, if you have an idea for someone who you'd like me to feature on the show, please feel free to reach out avivabreda at gmail.com. Um, I really look forward to hearing from you and, uh, thanks. So hopefully after today, uh, we will be back on track starting in the month of October. Um, if I get to anything before that, I will certainly let you know, but thanks again. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for these 13, 14 episodes. It has been an incredible journey and um, I look forward to continuing. So, okay, without further ado, please enjoy Allison Small. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to today's episode of A Piece of Me. Today, I am joined by Allison Small of Allison Small Nutrition. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Okay, Allison, the way I like to start all of my podcasts is by sharing something special, different, or unique about me, and then you will do the same, hopefully, okay. <laughs> if you want to. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay, so this is a fun fact about me that for some reason people think is weird. Um, I have someone who comes to my house once a week to clean, like any normal person, but the person who comes to me is a man. So I have a cleaning man as opposed to a cleaning lady. And I never know what to say when I'm like, oh, the cleaning lady's here, but it's a man. So so what do you say? I say the cleaning guy. But then people are like, did she mean guy? Like guy? But yeah, like it's a guy. And it started as like a married couple. They used to come together. Then she got pregnant and then he just kept coming. And now she comes with him sometimes, but he's just like really good. And who cares? I, who cares? Right. I think that's great. I think it is very unique. I'm going to tell you a fun fact about me in a second, but okay. I will tell you a funny story about one time we were in Israel for a month mm-hmm. and I gave my kids, we had like a work wheel 
that month that we were there, them cleaning different things. That's amazing. But eventually that sort of petered off <laughs> and we like called in the regular cleaning service that serviced the apartment mm -hmm. and it happened to be a male. This guy came and he went to town and then all of a sudden I'm looking at him doing the apartment. He's shirtless. <laughs> He's shirtless, barefoot, cleaning the apartment. And then the best part of it all was that he was like, took a really long time. So you're sort of stuck there for a while. The best part of it all is like, he said, do you mind if I shower here before I leave? No way. <laughs> and we're like, bye. <laughs> but it was hysterical, shirtless, barefoot. And then after okay, shower so before he left. I've never seen mine shirtless, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's lovely, but I don't think I'd like to see that. And he, to the best of my knowledge, has never showered in my right, house. That's, who, knows? who knows? You never know. Who knows? Yeah, it's very funny. Okay, so I guess like sort of like an embarrassing, well, that's not necessarily embarrassing, but like fun fact about me that you might not know is that when I was 12 years old at my cousin's Lauren's bat mitzvah, <laughs> I was playing a very serious game of limbo as like you did in the bat mitzvah circuit. For sure. And I ended up dislocating my knee and needing surgery like the next week after from playing limbo. from playing limbo at my cousin's bat mitzvah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. That's I know one. that's very unique. You know, most people hurt their knee when they're skiing, mm -hmm. when they're playing tennis. Nope. It was a game of limbo. <laughs> that's great. I have a similar story. Actually. I, when I was in, I guess it was seventh grade in the bat mitzvah year, I fractured my fifth metatarsal, which is like the outside bone of your foot. I was in a cast for the longest time. And I was a ballet dancer. So I had to stop. And I did it dancing at a bat mitzvah. Oh, see, so bat mitzvahs, you dangerous. think they're so safe. It could be very, very dangerous. dangerous. Now you know why I never do water ski uh, uh, dive. It's like that motion can't. of like hinging back. <laughs> I can't do it. It reminds me too much of the limbo. I'm like, <laughs> no way, I'm not going there. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, so Allison, you are a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. You have your own company called Allison Small Nutrition. Before we get to all that, take us back to the beginning. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? Tell us about you. Sounds good. So I am from West Orange, New Jersey. I'm oh. a Jersey girl through and through. Um, my parents actually still live there. So I grew up in West Orange. I went to West Orange High School. Um, after that, went to the University of Wisconsin, where I majored in dietetics. They actually had a very unique program that doesn't, I don't even think it exists at University of Wisconsin anymore, let alone anywhere else where you got your, um, you did all your internships undergraduate. So by the time I finished those four years, I could sit for the registered dietitian exam. I wow. had, cause you need to do, in order to be a dietitian, you need to do um, a certain amount of a rotation of internships varying from food service. So I worked on, you know, food service lines in the hospital. I wow. wore hair nets. I was a lunch lady. Mm -hmm. I worked in clinical nutrition in the hospital. Um, I did public health. I worked in school systems. I um, counseled 13-year-old girls who were pregnant in the Madison school district. There was a specific school for them. So that internship definitely gave me like a really wide variety yeah. of exposure to different um, avenues in nutrition. Um, and when I graduated after four years, I was then able to sit for the exam and um, get a job right away. Whereas wow. most people, what you need to do is you, you, you major in some type of science or nutrition undergraduate, and then you need to do the um, internships following your graduation. So you then have to take that extra time. So is that what brought you to the University of Wisconsin specifically because it had that program? 
so my sister brought me to the University of Wisconsin. My sister, my cousin was there and I went there and I just loved it. The perk of it was that it had this program, which I knew I was interested in even going in. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I was unique. I think that, you know, going into freshman year, I knew that I wanted to do something nutrition. Yeah. What, what got you interested in that? So my mom is a type one diabetic. So you know, as long as I could remember, she was always seeing doctors and dietitians and diabetes mm-hmm. educators and managing her blood sugars and her insulin according to what she was eating. Um, I always found it to be interesting. Um, and yeah, I just knew that it was like a field that gave me some flexibility along the way. If I wanted to have a family, right, I could work here, right. I could work there, I could work part-time, I could work full-time. Um, so that's really what, what drew me into the field. Is type one diabetes genetic? It is. It is. It is. Um, it is thankfully my sister and I, everyone, you know, nobody Nobody in my family, autoimmune disease definitely runs in my mom's family. She had a twin sister that had a different type of autoimmune disease. Type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Um, it is, it is genetic. Um, but thankfully you know, we got other stuff. Okay. <laughs> no, but not that. Exactly. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you ended up at the university of Wisconsin. You did all of your internships undergrad, you graduated and then what? And then I moved to New York city with okay. my roommate from college. We lived in a shoebox of an apartment, <laughs> barely making rent in that shoebox. Um, and I got a job at Albert Einstein uh, college of medicine in the Bronx. Oh, wow. Yes. I remember sitting with my dad debating. I got a few different job offers in the, in New York City, um, and I remember sitting with my dad and deciding where should should I go here? Should I go mm-hmm. in there? And I thought forty thousand dollars a year, which what I was making as you know full time wow. working. I was like, I hit it. I hit it big. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. Exactly, and I was going to get insurance and this and that. Yeah. So. I um, started working at Albert Einstein College of Medicine and I lived on 34th Street at the time. So I took the train all the way up, the sixth train all the way up. Um, And it was a great first job. I worked with great people. I learned a ton. I worked on the surgical floor. I worked in the cardiac unit. I worked a little bit in the ICU. you You were working with patients to help them figure out like the right diet plan. Exactly. Exactly. According to hospital criteria, if you're there a certain amount of days, you need to be seen. Everyone needs to be screened by a dietitian. Uh And maybe it's one time you're seen and you're just sort of, okay, you're good. You don't need follow-up. Other people need more Mm follow-up depending on what the situation is. Um, So I was working with patients. It was a great first job where I got a lot of exposure. I met a lot of great people. I met my husband's best of all. Mm. I would never, we are, we would never have crossed paths yeah. outside of, you know, he was doing his uh, surgery resident, his plastic surgery residency. I was working on the surgery floor and the rest wow. is history. Yes. Oh, yeah. Story. So the best, the best part of my first job <laughs> was meeting him. Um, and then I also, I learned a lot, but I also learned that clinical nutrition was not what where I, what I wanted. I found that I worked in the cardiac unit and people who just had open heart surgery. I then went in to educate them on a heart healthy diet. These poor people were like barely awake. Yeah. It was not the time 
to be, you know, making significant changes or having a a strong impact. Yes. These people just went through, Mm -hmm. you know, a very traumatic event. So they were ready to change, but given their circumstances in the hospital, still outpatient definitely had a more significant impact as far as making those habit changes. So I recognize that there was definitely some limitations to how impactful you can be in a clinical yeah, setting when sure. you're working on a surgical or a cardiac floor. Um, but again, it did give me exposure to a lot of different things and it really was great. Um, but I realized I definitely wanted to work more in outpatient. Um, so I worked there for a couple years. We lived in Houston for a year um, where my husband did a fellowship oh, okay. um, at MD Anderson. And I worked there at an outpatient um, diabetes center. So in between Einstein and then moving to Houston, I had this interest in diabetes education. Mm -hmm. So I got another certification in diabetes education. So I'm a dietitian, but I'm also a certified diabetes educator, which just means I could work with diabetic patients and counsel them one-on-one on- on, Does um, that work in conjunction with endocrinologists also? Absolutely. Absolutely. So So it's another um, part of that whole- Exactly. Exactly. And I've worked in endocrinologist offices Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they have diabetes educators, either nurses or dietitians working there to work with their patients, to know how to manage their medicine with their diet. Um, So that was great exposure as far as working with diabetic population. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that. And then I came, we came back here and I went to finish up grad school. Like I, during that whole time, yeah. I was Einstein. Another great benefit of Einstein was that they paid for graduate school, which was okay. like this amazing benefit. We yeah. took their interns, their dietetic interns. And in return, the dietitians on staff got to go to NYU basically for free graduate school, wow. which is, you know, really yeah. a huge, huge bonus. Yeah. So I took advantage of that and I got a master's in public health nutrition. Um, So when I moved back from Houston, I just had, I hadn't finished everything. I was going part-time working and going to graduate school. Mm -hmm. So I just spent that next year going full-time and finishing up my um, graduate degree. So you have a graduate degree in public health nutrition. So that means working in different settings than what you were previously qualified to do? For sure. It definitely would allow me to. I haven't used that public health degree, I would say. Working in a private practice is definitely not using that public health right. degree so much. But I, I, instead of doing clinical nutrition, which is the other master's that NYU offered, I decided to do public health because it was something different. And right. if I had wanted to go and work in a clinic or in some type of public health setting, mm-hmm. it definitely would allow me that advantage to work in a setting like that. Wow. Okay. So you finished up your, your master's. Did you guys have any kids at the time? So when I was finishing up my master's at my graduation from um, NYU, I was nine months pregnant with Ben. Wow. <laughs> yes. I was like the only real pregnant one walking down. I have pictures of it. I was like very large and in charge That's at my, great. uh, yeah. That's graduate great, but school. you finished up all your schooling before. Finished it off. I knew that very if I smart. hadn't, I even like toyed with the idea of going back and doing like schooling. Maybe I'd go back over these in the past, like 16 years, maybe yeah. I would go back and do nursing or PA. And then I look at the schooling and I'm just, I'm intimidated by it. And I was like a decent student. Like I could sit, I could, but with kids now, I just, I know my limitations and I just, that's not, that's not for me. I totally hear that. The idea of going back to school, like 
I like the idea of the learning part, but the assignments and the tests is so frightening to me. Like, I feel like when I graduated, I was like, I am never taking a test again. Like, exactly. I don't want to have to write any more papers. And, and the idea of doing that and juggling and like third grade homework at the same time is just too, too, too overwhelming too much for me. Yes, yes exactly. Totally Deadlines that. that need to be met on a certain yeah. time. Like I just thought of it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Not for yeah. me. Okay. So once your oldest Ben was born, what did you do then? Were you working? So interestingly, I was during that graduate school year, Mm -hmm. my husband started his private practice in plastic surgery. And I was actually working for him as his (laughs) office manager at the time. And then going to graduate school at night. So when Ben was born, I gave that gig up (laughs) and never looked back. (laughs) That was my worst job I ever had. (laughs) And, um, and I was a full-time mom to him when he was first born. Um, I would say probably when he was like a year, Mm -hmm. that's when I worked at an endocrinologist's office. Um, it worked out well. There was an endocrinologist in West Orange where Mm -hmm. my parents lived that was looking for a part-time dietitian to come in twice a week to do counseling with their patients. And I would drop Ben off at my mom. It was great for her, great for him, great for me. Um, so I did that for a while and I, I did that even when Eliana was born. I think I maybe went back to one day a week and did it. And then once Ruben was born, because they were born pretty like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, pretty close together. Um, pretty close together. And then I I didn't do anything for a while. Yeah. Um, in nutrition, I didn't do anything for a while. And then once Nathan was born, he was like a year. That's when I started working totally something different at the bar method. And through the bar method, I then saw people here and there um, as far as nutrition goes. Right. Um, you know, not too consistently, but here and there, I would see some of Shirley's clients yeah. under the bar method. And then, um, you know, brings me to brings you to today. Yeah, yeah, okay. to today. So before we get there, let's go back. Okay. So your fourth child was born and how did you end up at the bar method? So my very good friend, Revy Tal Shalaman, she worked, I'm not sure if she was working at Englewood or Creskel at the time, but she would pass the bar method on Dean Street going to work every day. The classic. Yes. And she (laughs) would say to me, we have to try this. I've always been into exercise, Mm -hmm. always been an exerciser, always enjoyed it. Different things. But what did you do before you found the bar method? So before I found the bar method, I did things on my own. I had like a spin bike at home Mm -hmm. that I would do. I would do the elliptical, you know, thinking back when I was pregnant with Ben, I went to the JCC every day and used the elliptical, like never so much like classes per se, but I would always, always exercise. Like it was always something that I definitely included in my daily routine. And Revital knew that. And she saw this and she's like, we have to try it. We have to try it. So she took me to a class. Um, and I remember our first class, we laughed at the whole thing because my leg was like shaking. Her <laughs> leg was shaking. I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm saying, yes. is your leg shaking? And we were, we were giggling so yeah. much to this first class. And it bothered me that I was so bad at this exercise <laughs> that I'm like, I'm in generally like, okay, granted my limbo incident doesn't like right. really picture okay. me as like a 
pretty athletic person, but right. in general, like yeah. I really am a pretty athletic person. So it was bothering me that I thought I was so strong and I thought I was like pretty athletic yeah. and I was so bad at this exercise. But why do you think you were bad? Shaking is good. No, shaking is good, but I feel like I wasn't coordinating and it was so hard. Was so I was hard. like, why yeah. can't I do this? Yeah. It bothered me looking at people around me and I'm like, why can they do this? And I can't do this. How and long was, had the studio been open when you went to your first class? So it opened in February and we went probably in June or July of that same okay. year. Okay. Yeah. So there were people who were there pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, and it just really like got to me that mm-hmm. like, I was just, I was like, I thought I was strong. And now I realize that like, I'm not as strong as yeah. I thought. And that sort of motivated me <laughs> to like, I'm going to, I, I want to get good at this. I really want to. And I went back, we got like the month free membership. Yeah. And I sort of really became like a groupie. Yeah. I wanted to go any opportunity. Um, after the month, Revital was like, peace out. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I, say, I haven't seen her there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> after that month, she's like, I'm done with this. Um, and I, and I continued. Yeah. And, um, we were still members of the JCC. So I remember thinking like, I can't really justify paying for this and paying on top of a gym on top of it. I know people do it. Like we all like, you know, sort of put our, you know, have our different, you know, as far as like where we want to spend the money. And I said, I I just can't necessarily justify it. So I said, I'm going to like really put myself out there and ask Shirley, the owner, if she needs teachers, it is so uncharacteristic of me to do something like this. I can't even tell you, but I, I remember where we were. I remember the whole conversation. <laughs> I went up to her and I said, "Is there? Do you need any teachers? Because I really love to be a teacher." She's like, "Actually, we do." And um, the next week, I was enrolled in a training with Katie, yeah. and that was it. The rest, the rest was really history. How long was that training? That was when they did it. It was longer. It was like a week of hell. Yeah. <laughs> I always compare it to like, I was in a sorority at University of Wisconsin and you know, you hear about this hell week yeah, and like, sure. you don't sleep, people are mean. Yeah. I compare it to that. And I was really? honestly worse than that. I will really? say, which doesn't give Bar Method such a great name, but it was really intense. And like our trainers weren't really so nice. Right. And it was really like just a very intense week. So there was a week of that. And then like a few months of Katie and I and Shirley sort of training in the studio mm. as far as getting everything down pat. And then Katie and I were sort of thrown into the schedule one day when like half the staff got a stomach bug and they're like, <laughs> okay, you're ready. You're and, I'm like, and I remember my first class and I, a few of the clients were still clients today yeah. were in my first class and I was just really bad. Like I was just really like, I think back and it makes me uncomfortable to think about like how bad I was, but yeah. it definitely, I'm certainly not somebody who's like super comfortable getting up and like, you know, some people just have that like pizzazz getting up there and they naturally are just at ease. That's not me. So it definitely took me time to like get into my groove. 10 years later, I feel like I found my groove, but it certainly has taken, it took me, it definitely took me some time. So when you put yourself out there and asked if you could become a teacher, you weren't like a master Definitely no. not. I was far from a master and that training made me realize how far from a master and how little I knew about yeah. the bar method. It was super humbling. I was definitely far from, I, I mean, I probably had only taken, I don't know, 30 classes at oh, the time, wow. which you know, I mean, how many of you yeah. taken? You know that I mean, that's not. Well, that's making me feel better because like one day I think maybe I would love to become an instructor, but like I've taken, I don't know, 780 something classes. So like, okay. You would have a true advantage over my 30 (laughs) classes because you just know the exercise. You understand it a lot more than I was going into and it made a difference. It's so funny though, because I actually, um, I don't know if this is going to air before, but Shirley and I sat down for a conversation too. So we had a lot of this, um, but 
I was telling her how I'm always so impressed with how the instructors know so much about um, anatomy. And I feel like that's like, I don't know how they know that. Like, it's just, I mean, I guess it's part of the training, but I always feel like that's such a huge part of like, you know, like you go to an exercise class or I had gone before I started the bar method and they'd be like, okay, you know, like go to the left or whatever. But then like at bar, it's always like, and feel this muscle, which is working your adductor yes. and like, you know, all of these things. And it, it like makes a huge difference. It does. Know? It does. And bar method, as much as I'm bashing the training piece of it, <laughs> so much of it is really makes so much sense. And I think that's why I liked it. I always yeah. said, this makes sense to me. This is so specific. Right. This is like, I loved how the teachers, I felt like it was personal training. They knew totally. my name. And yeah. as much as I was like, it, it was like, I wanted to eager to please, you know, yeah, I had that personality. Sure. Okay. Like I want them to tell me, Oh, I'm doing so good. And when yeah. they said that, I was like, Oh, oh my God, I'm a rock yeah. star. I'm doing great. <laughs> and I agree that the training does include a whole test on anatomy. I can oh show God. you the pamphlet. Oh it was like God. very, very specific. And I'm like a nerd like that. If I have a test, I'm studying for it. Right. So like you you really need to know what this exercise is working this muscle. And the the bar method, it truly is a method. Like you are yeah. working very specifically. And it's not, I, what I didn't like about other classes that I might've taken at the JCC is like, I'd be so sore the next day. Yeah. And like, which is great to feel sore, but I felt like it was just like, not a flat out class. It's like, right. all right, let's just do this. Yeah. And then it was like so much legs or so much arms. Mm -hmm. There was no balance, balance to it. Sure. And I love how bar method, you really feel like you're going head to toe and like touching upon every muscle. Totally. And I love the fact that 700 and whatever class is in, it's hard every single time. And, and yes. the more you do it, the harder it gets because like you get better at it. So your form is better and then it's harder. Absolutely. Like, and I'm, and I'm still sore. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm still sore from doing so it, which is crazy. 10 years later, you think your body gets used to it, mm -hmm. but I, I just, I love it. I love that. So you've been at the bar method now for 10 years. You've been doing that essentially part-time this whole time, right? While you're home raising your kids. Exactly. Um, and then you were seeing clients kind of -ish here and there bit. through the bar method. Okay. And you always kept like, your licenses and certifications. Yes, I and always all of did that. 75 credits that I needed for oh both God. nutrition and then a separate 75 that I needed for the diabetes certification wow. every five years. And like, I'm not a last minute person, but every year it was always crunch time for it me. Sneaks it was up on like, you, it sneaks right? up on you. Like, five years went by very quickly. Yeah, and I'm totally. like, oh crap, I have all these credits to do. Yeah. So I kept up with the certification for sure because I knew, I knew it was like a field I could always go back for into. Sure. And I worked certainly too hard just to let that last yeah and I was not going to be able to sit for the exam again because that's what happens if you don't keep up your credits you need to sit for the exam again oh, and it goes back to the fact that like no. I don't have the headspace to sit for, for an sure. exam yeah for sure so what led you um a year ago to really like go all out and relaunch you know or yes. go into your private practice so I felt like the time was right yeah. I felt like my kids are older mm -hmm. um they were out of the house a good chunk of the day. Um, and I felt like I just needed something. I needed something Same. more. I needed yeah. something that was my own. Yeah. Um, I felt like for the past, however many years at the time, 16 years, it was like everything surrounding them and what they needed, which it still is of course, yeah. but I definitely needed something that was my own. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to try this. Like I have nothing to lose here. Right. I certainly have nothing at all to lose. I'm going to put myself out there, which again, as I said, yes. certainly not my strongest thing. I'm definitely um, more reserved. And I, I definitely going in, I was like, ah, this isn't going to work, but 
you know, I was ready just yeah. to like at least give it a try. Yeah. Um, certainly getting on the platform of, of Instagram and social media was completely out of my comfort zone. I call myself an Instagranny before this. <laughs> And I, I certainly it. didn't know how to, I had it, you know, that was like somewhat of a learning curve. But then once I started doing it, I'm like, yeah. you know, see my husband always like, oh, you're really good at this. I'm like, it's not that hard. I mean, like if 12 year olds <laughs> and eight year olds are doing this, like once you get it, you get it. Yeah. Um, so figuring the technology piece out wasn't so hard, but certainly getting the comfort to just put myself out there yeah. and share like that was definitely still something that I'm not, um, not so comfortable with, but at the same time, I feel like what I'm sharing on Instagram is, is helpful information, right? It's just helpful, accurate nutrition information. And I think there's so much inaccurate information out there, like an overwhelming amount coming from social media, from TikTok, from, you know, you name it, that I think that my, um, uh, you know, on Instagram, I'm just a platform for me to be able to share accurate, you know, I think, um, information regarding nutrition that people could either benefit from or whether it be something about mindset around Mm -hmm. food that they can certainly relate to. That brings us to um, a very good segue to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is like this whole um, diet culture and, um, you know, the rise of awareness of intuitive eating and then these fad diets. And like, I'll tell you, I did how many years ago, a lot of years ago, I did one of these you know, quick fix diets. I lost 22 pounds in 21 days. Um, I felt great. I mean, I starved for 22 (laughs) days or 21 days, whatever it was literally starved. Um, but I was like, wow, like, look at me. I'm, I'm so skinny and I felt great. And I managed to keep it off longer than I ever expected. Mm -hmm. But the second I started eating food again, it came right back. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely careful for those. I don't know. I definitely kept it off for at least a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was maybe not all of it, but a large chunk of it. Um, and I was always exercising. I, you know, it's part of my routine. I do it every day. I'm a terrible eater. Like there's just no questions about it. I don't eat lunch. I never eat breakfast. I eat at night. I do all the wrong things. Um, I love carbs. Like I do everything wrong. And I know that. Um, but as soon as I gained all of that back plus, you know, cause that's how it happens. I realized that, you know, everyone's body is different and everyone's body has a weight that it's comfortable at. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I know I need to work on my eating cause that's bad, <laughs> but it's not like my mindset now has shifted to not being about the number on the scale or the size in my clothes, because sizing is not standard as we've talked about on this podcast. Um, And, um, I have to be in a space that's comfortable for me and I have to be happy. And if eating certain foods makes me happy, then that's okay. So that was my really long introduction. No, I think it's great. I think you really summed it, you summed it up there. I mean, to address the fad diets, like there's so many out there. I mean, I'll use a popular one, Optavia that a lot of people do. And when it comes to fad diets, for example, Optavia, no doubt you will a hundred I'm not going to say 100%, nothing's right. 100%. Right. You will most likely, if you follow it, you are going to lose weight. And the yeah. reason you're going to lose weight is because you're putting yourself in a caloric deficit. And anytime your body's in a caloric deficit, weight loss is going to happen. My issue with Optivia or any other fad diet is that what happens then once you stop eating the fuelings, um, what happens then? Right. So 
I think it's important if your goal is to lose weight is to do it in a way that you're along the way, you're learning habit changes. You're learning, like you said, mindful eating. Um, You're learning about what you usually do as far as like, you you know, you said it, you skip breakfast, you skip lunch, you eat Mm -hmm. dinner. So like you're aware of it. So like that's all those things and habit changes, that is what's going to allow you to maintain the weight loss it's going to be a slower process, which people don't like, because we're now in this, you know, mindset, everything's instant. You put it on Amazon, it's here tomorrow, maybe it's even here today. You know, like everything is instant. And that was it. When I wanted to lose that weight, I said, I'm not doing Weight Watchers. I don't want to lose 0.3 ounces a week. I want a quick fix. And I knew that. And that's why I sought out that specific diet because I wanted, it was known for that. I wanted that. I achieved the results I wanted. And then I figured I'll deal with it later. But I don't think that that was the right, the right move for my life. Right. You know? Right. Well, and you know, in the moment it worked for me and yes. it made sense. I wanted to lose weight for something. I did it and I kept it off as long as I felt I could. But then I remember literally like, I just wanted a bowl of cereal. And like, that was a really right. big deal. Yeah. And once I started eating a bowl of cereal twice a week, I just started gaining all the, all the weight back because that was, I would have been so restrictive in what I was eating, um, that there was, there was nothing that I wanted to eat left on my, you know, in my, in my, yes. uh, whatever that I was allowed, you're to, allowed eat. to eat. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the problem with these very restrictive diets yeah. also is number one, you're not adapting any, you're not gaining any habit changes through right. the process of the weight loss. So then once you forgo whatever program it is, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to eating the way you were prior because you know nothing else. You either know the the restrictive diet or you know your old eating habits. So there needs to be a process of relearning how to eat, relearning your mindset around food, Mm -hmm. relearning that restrictive binge cycle. There's that's a process and it does take a lot longer than the quick fixes, which people really, they don't, they don't like it. And I always am very upfront. I said, you know, this is achievable. Whatever your goal is, we certainly can work towards it. However, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And if it's an eight week program, it might not even happen during knows, that eight week right. pro during the eight weeks. And it most likely won't, but I will tell you that at the end of the eight weeks, you will have the skills to continue the process, right. to, make right? change, to make a change, to make an impactful lifestyle. change. That's going to be able to be sustainable right. really in the end. Um, because no, no meal plan, no diet, if you want like, and when I say diet, I don't mean restrictive. I mean like diet eating, what, yeah. like, what you eat should be like, you can't eat ever eat right. that. You can't even, once you do that, it's like, forget it. It's your, your mind goes to a place. Well, I want that all of a sudden, right? right. Like in life, you say you can't have it. Well, sure. but that's what I want. And that's what I'm going to crave. It's so crazy on this, on this plan that I was on. One of the things that is like a no way, no go is grapes. It's just like an absolutely no way. And I literally, my kids make fun of me that I'm afraid of grapes to this day. And it's been years since I did that diet. I'm like a little bit afraid of eating grapes at this point. And grapes are yummy. They're delicious and and they're so healthy and there's no reason you should be afraid. But these diets, they create this food phobia. I deal with it all the time. Usually it's carbs. Carbs. Usually it's carbs. (laughs) People come to me, they have an intense fear of carbs. And when I give them the meal plan that I map out according to their goals and according to their nutrition needs, um, and it has carbs on there. They're like, no way, no how am I going to lose weight eating, eating two pieces of bread right. for lunch, a piece. Of, I'm like, please just trust, trust me. me. Just 
try it. Right. And once they do, they realize they can have carbs and they can lose weight and they can feel like I don't have to be afraid of these. Because what happens is once you start that restrictive eating mm-hmm. where it's, this is forbidden, I can't have it. You start craving it and then it backfires, yeah, right? So you okay. might skip the bread at lunch and dinner, but then what happens after dinner when you're like so hungry still and you have these intense cravings because you didn't eat the that's carbs. You eat a whole box of Oreos. Exactly. That's exactly I, what I happens. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but you know what? You're not alone in the sense right. that that's what happens when you feel like you're so afraid of these foods mm-hmm. and then you avoid them altogether. It ends up backfiring. So during like a program, you, you need to learn. You need to learn habit changes. You need to like hand over some trust and realize okay. like, because so many people because of these fad diets, and because of the misinformation that's out there when yeah. it comes to nutrition, have a lot of food fears. I yeah. really have heard them all when it oh, comes I'm to sure. food phobia. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, the um, these a lot of these fad diets they offer specific, like you mentioned with Octavia, they offer um, fuelings or or food that they um, have. You seen any any like are there? Are, are they offering these diets, offering like well-rounded nutrition or is it more like they're feeding you something to affect a certain change? Like, is it targeted? So I would say the best part of the Octavia diet is the lean and green meal, I right. think, because that sounds more of like a balanced meal, yeah. which I think is great. And that, that I think is the best part of it. As far as the fuelings go, I've seen them. The nutrition piece of it is they're not garbage at all. They're just very low calorie and it's working because your body is in a caloric restriction. And you can do that though. You can put your body in a caloric restriction if that's what your goal Goal, is um, by eating bread, by eating grapes, by (laughs) eating, you know, yogurt. If you, you know, all those things, you could eat food. You could eat regular food. Right. And still put yourself in a caloric deficit and lose weight. Right. Because it's it's something that I've noticed with a lot, even more mainstream, you know, like all of them, there's a thousand different like diet brands in a store that you can buy this type of like Weight Watchers has their own bars. Atkins has bars. Keto has bars. Like everyone has their own thing. And it's like, it, you just don't even know, you know, where to start and, and how to do that. Yeah. So when you see a client, when a client first comes to you, you try to figure out what their end goal is, whether it's like a healthy lifestyle, weight loss, what other things are people looking for? Um, healthy relationship with food. Even if they're not looking for that, that is something something I put on the forefront because I think you mentioned it before, which I didn't even address is that everybody is a different size. Everybody can be different, be healthy at a different size. There's no one size fits all literally, right? Like you're not healthy necessarily at a four or six. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything because it's all relative to you and what that looks like, right? I could have somebody who's at a healthy weight according to the charts and the numbers, but maybe their blood sugars are super high or their cholesterol super high. Okay. So things diet needs to be modified there, right? right? You might look at them and say, well, I'm sure they eat so healthy and they're at this weight, but that's not the case. And on the flip side, you can have somebody who's 190 pounds and beautiful cholesterol and blood sugar is great. And they're exercising every day and they're eating well balanced and they have a healthy mindset around food. And that to me is a healthy individual, right? right? Like, like that the full picture, the full picture. Right. exactly. So 
it doesn't weight the number on the scale is not the end all be all. And that is a real issue also is that people put so much value yeah. into that number and they feel like it defines who they are. Totally. Um, and it, and it just doesn't, you have to look at the whole picture and you have to really like, like I said, the mindset around food and the relationship with food, um, is very important. I mean, I have particularly a 70 year old, a 70 year old that I'm working with now and she eats so restrictive. She really eats nothing really. She eats so little and her body has shifted as post, you know, woman in in menopause, menopause, like it it will happen. And she said, well, but I look at other people and I look, I'm like, but that's in lies the problem when we sort of compare ourselves to this one or that one. This is you. Are you eating healthy? Are you feeling like you have good energy? Are you able to exercise every day? What's your relationship with food like? And the longer that goes on, like this woman has been doing this all her life. Yeah. It just becomes harder to sort of undo those habits, like any habits that you've had for a long time. They're sort of set there. doesn't mean they can't be undone. It just certainly takes a long time to undo those habits. I think there are so many um, expectations of how people are supposed to look or how you're supposed to, you know, everyone's supposed to be skinny and fit and look just so all the time and it's just not realistic. And until we can change that overall, I feel like this is just gonna be, and especially now with the world of social media and everything being out and, and comparing and, you know, the second someone is showing a little bit of a, a, you know, a pounds, you know, it's either, are they pregnant? Are they, why, how did they gain all this weight? What's this, what's that? And it's, it's crazy because People need to feel good in their own skin. And I'm telling you, for me, like it's really been a very big shift. And I even have to adjust to the way when I see pictures of myself, you know, in my head, I remember when I was thinner and I think back like, oh, but then I'm like, but this is me and this is my body and I work out and I do all those things. And I know I need to change my eating habits and we'll put that aside for now. But, you know, it's really a really serious mind shift and, um, I think it's a big problem that we're that we're facing. I don't know when you were working in this 15 years ago, is this something that you saw was a similar issue? So I think it's always been a struggle for I'll say particularly women. Yeah, um for sure. Because I think that we're in general always comparing and yeah. saying, oh, this is the ideal. But I think the big difference is okay, you might have been able to get like a Vogue or Glamour magazine, open it up and be like, oh, she's so pretty yeah. and she looks like she has the perfect body, whatever that is. And then you put the magazine away and that was that. Right. But now with social media, it's constant. It's, it's in constant. It's in your face. Time, it's available. Yeah. Unfortunately now, like with teens, I mean TikTok and they're just bombarded bombarded with it, bombarded with women who, you know, diet culture says have, have the perfect figure. And that's where a lot of kids are going to achieve to look like, even if their body isn't meant to look like that, right? Not all bodies are meant to look like that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean they're not beautiful. It doesn't mean they're not healthy. They're just not meant to. And I think it really causes a problem among teens and, you know, like all social media, having to be able to step back and say, okay, this isn't real life. These people aren't perfect. This is what I'm seeing in this life. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. Maybe it's even filtered and maybe it's not, but the point is this should not be what I'm striving for, but it's certainly very hard, especially for like young impressionable minds and the kids are on TikTok super young. They're seeing this. They don't have that emotional maturity Mm -hmm. to say, okay, this is, 
her. This is her body. I might not look like that. I don't even want, this is me. Like they just don't have that emotional. Adults don't have that emotional maturity, but still a work in progress for us. How can we expect our eight-year-olds to give, be given a phone, go on TikTok and see all this information being bombarded at them and be able to distinguish, you know, what is real? What is this, what I should be striving for? It's, it's certainly a lot, a lot more challenging. Do you think that that, um, you can attribute the, um, rise in eating disorders and all of that to, to this like whole in your face? I think absolutely. I think a hundred percent. I think eating disorders, um, unhealthy mindset around body, uh, body body image, image, Um, I think misinformation when it comes to nutrition, like people who have no, my sister-in-law actually sent me something very funny the other day. So just because you eat doesn't make you a nutrition professional, you know? So like these people on TikTok are like, you know, advertising, I do keto, I do paleo. And like, what does that even mean? And who are you? Like, are you a reputable source? But like, again, are eight, nine, 10, 16 year olds, whatever, are they, even adults, are they able to distinguish yeah. that and take a step back and say, is this really who I should be getting my information well, from? Well, that's a huge problem with social media now. Everyone's an expert and everyone's an influencer. And all you have to do is get on there and smile and say something and get followers. And all of a sudden you're, you're you know, the authority on yes, it. exactly. And, and well, I think that's an important point is that when it comes to nutrition information or any information for that matter, that you're really going to take to heart and use make sure it's coming from a reputable source. Again, there are, I would say, if you're going to look at nutrition information, it should come from a dietitian. Um, Health, there's probably some really great health coaches out there also that Mm. can provide accurate nutrition information. But, you know, to be a health coach, that varies too. Mm. So I would say there probably are some really good ones out there who are giving accurate information, but I would say, you know, go with a professional if you're taking any of that information to heart, whether it be when it comes from nutrition or medicine or, you know, what have you. What's your feeling on the whole, um, like fat shaming stuff that's going on. And I think that not just that, but the fact that so many mainstream brands, clothing brands are so not size inclusive. And I think it all ties in because when you can't fit into something standard, let's say, you know, it ties into the whole idea of, well, that's because your body's not good enough or right. Um, which goes back to the whole fat shaming issue. Is that, is that something that you deal with, with clients and trying to find like the right place for them? Well, for sure. I mean, a lot of clients say, I just don't feel comfortable. This is not my size. I don't feel comfortable in the heat with my skin and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it has to come from the right place if somebody's motivated to lose weight. So if they're telling me um, I want to lose weight because I can't fit into the size eights that I used to, you know, 15 years ago, then we look and I say, okay, well, what do you think is different besides age? Is there changing eating habits? Mm -hmm. Is there you know, some type of binge restricting cycle going on? I certainly look at that if they're the reason alone is that they're doing everything well, meaning they're eating balanced, they have a good mindset and they want to lose weight just because they want to get into that size. Like that's not that, that to me is not a legitimate reason. If you feel like I know there's room for improvement here, like my eating habits certainly are Mm -hmm. not the greatest. I know that I'm not making balanced choices and it's, you know, 
I'm not necessarily looking to get into a specific size. Like you said, there's so much variability even between sizes. And again, it's not about the number. It's about this many factors, what mindset, overall health, what your Mm -hmm. cholesterol, what your blood sugars look like, you know, how just you feel in your own body, like those things overall, there's not one thing that's going to define, you know, if you're healthy or not, there's many things and it's not again, the number or the size. And I think it's really important for people to remember that I have people I'm working with and they're, they're very overweight. And I said, even 10 pounds, 10 pound weight loss you don't even need to get down to your ideal weight. Right. Like that could be, that could happen. And it's certainly a goal to strive for if that's mm-hmm. what you want. But even if you take off 10 pounds, your blood pressure is going to go right. down. Your blood sugar is going to go down. Like that is even going to be impactful for, for sure. overall health. You know, you don't need to get down to this ideal weight necessarily. Right. It just doesn't even exist anymore. It's not, I mean, it never did. It just is like, everybody is different and everyone needs to find the weight that their body is comfortable at. And as long as you're healthy, that's a huge, that's a huge point. And I think sure. that's really important. And I think a lot of people, I've heard horror stories and going to their doctors and their doctors really fat shaming them, as yeah. you would say. And, and yeah. it's, it's really, it's terrible. I've had, you know, a, 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 a client I'm working with who's overweight and her doctor said, well, are you working out every day? She's like, well, I'm working full time. I'm trying my best. And he's like, well, I work full time and I, yeah. and I'm work out every day. And she's like, okay, well, you probably have a wife. Good for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So she's, so she's you know like, what? I am the wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has just like a lot of, yeah. a lot on her plate and she's really is doing the best that she can right. do. And like a doctor saying that to a patient, mm. is just so discouraging. It just yeah. is so demeaning. And really, like, it's just not motivating for somebody to really get them to where you want to be, yeah. is the bottom line. Never shaming in general, whether it be fat shaming, would be shaming for any Anything. other reason, is never is never motivating, is never yeah. helpful to change anyone. The um, I remember a couple a couple of months ago, I guess, when um, when they were starting with the COVID vaccines and what your eligibility was. And um, if you go online to like the standard BMI chart, you know. I was like, oh, score, I'm morbidly obese. Here we go. And for those who don't know me, like, I mean, I'm not tiny, but I'm not. You're certainly not morbidly I'm not, obese. I didn't think I was, but according to the, whoever puts that out, you know, I mean, that's, I that's feel like. That's where you fell, right. That so I, into I it, think right? like a lot of times, like I, going back to the doctors and not to bash <laughs> them, I'm married to one, but right. I'm just saying like, they look at the number. They look at this very tangible, right. this is what it is. This is where you fall. But there's so much more to there's it. Like so ask, ask your patient, are you working out? How are right. you eating? How, what does your lab work look like? How do you feel? Like, are you mm-hmm. happy with where you are? Do you feel healthy? Do you have good energy? Like all those other questions. It's certainly much easier to say, this is your number versus ask and spend right. the time asking sure. you those other questions. For sure. Because if I... If I, if my doctor said to me, well, you should be in this column, like I would be, I am not in that column, you yeah. know, and that would make me feel pretty terrible. Yeah. And I would be very discouraged from working out and doing all this, you know, making all the healthy choices that I do make, because I'd say like, well, I'm never going to get there. Exactly. You know? What's the point? What's, What's the, the point? point? Why should I bother? Yes. You know? Yes. And um, yeah. And, and just, you know, for me, I had a very thorough workout, uh, workup, like a health workup before I donated my kidney. And I was not considered morbidly obese then. So I just want whoever makes that chart to yeah. make some adjustments because that's not fair. Although it did help me get my COVID vaccine. Right. So, exactly. I'll that's that's the flip side. You'll take it. So I will take it. Okay. I have, I have a question that 
you know, you can totally not answer if you choose to. Um, for those of you who don't know Allison, Allison is a very petite, small person. Have you ever had a client come to you and say like, well, look at you, like you're, you probably don't even have to work for it, you know? Right. So, so I'm virtual, number one. Okay. My practice is virtual. Okay. So some of the people that I work with, I've never even met in person. A okay. lot of them I have met in person. Yeah. They know me for mm-hmm. sure. But then there's a good handful who like see me face up and they yeah. have no they idea know. my body type for sure. Right. So there's that. But no one has outwardly said to me, you don't understand. You can't right. empathize with me. You know, this is probably so easy for you. Um, because I think think that they realize that I'm, I'm empathetic to whatever circumstances they're dealing with, right? right. There's no shaming going on at all. Right, right. My clients need to keep food journals. I always tell them, be honest. Like there's no benefit here for you to like to lie. lie to me about right. it, right? Like there's no judgment here. Um, and, you know, if they were to say it, I would tell them honestly, like I, I practice what I preach. Yeah. So I'm eating healthy and well-balanced and I'm exercising every day, not because I want to burn X amount of calories because I really enjoy it. I feel better when I do it. Mm -hmm. And when I eat well, I most certainly feel better also. So it's sort of like one of those things that I practice what I preach. Um, I certainly don't hold anyone to the standards that they should be my size, because right. like we said, everybody has their I mean, own. There's a genetic makeup that makes people certain sizes. There's nothing you can do about that. There's you know? not, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. And like I said, it's not a number. It's not a size. It's overall health, mm-hmm. um, feeling happy with how you feel happy with your mindset and your relationship with around food so much. I like keep going back to it yeah. is this healthy relationship, which I think for so many women, like we struggle with, even if it's like, it doesn't have to be disordered eating in order to struggle with your relationship sure. with food. There's like a very gray area in between that I think most women at some point in their lives, whether it be that they were more restrictive or definitely had a worse relationship with food than another time. I think it's just a common theme that people yeah. just in general, like really struggle with that relationship. Do you find that people have like, you know, brings up like issues from their past? Like, let's say their parents were like, oh, you're fat or even like don't eat that or you can't eat that or they grew up in that environment and that's something that now they have to overcome for sure um one person particularly who I was working with I worked with her and I worked with her mom so it was I got to see like both both, sides of it um her mom was just like the sweetest person but always on a diet always always on a diet always overweight and always on a diet Mm -hmm. and she just she was an older woman. So it was certainly like going back to like the habit changes that are harder once these habits have become solidified over time, you know, she couldn't get over that like calorie counting mentality and like buying the diet food. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a friendship and obviously a client relationship with her daughter and, uh, you know, we would talk about her mom every yeah. now and then within like the appropriate professional way. And, and she would say, now you understand why I have this eating disorder and why like I struggle yeah. like this. Yeah. So it's, there's definitely, listen, yeah. I think it's, it's hard. It's hard as like a mom. I don't want to say, I think more so if you have girls, but certainly if you have boys yeah. too, boys can have eating disorders, like girls have, yeah. and they do have eating disorders more so now than ever. Um, 
I think it's important to set the right example, for you know, sure. like not necessarily at dinner time making a separate meal for yourself than your kids and eating along with them and showing right. them that, you know, I eat healthy, but I could also have, you know, some junk too, because that's balanced and I really enjoy this stuff. So like anything else in life, being an example. Yeah. Really, I think it was what it comes for down sure. to for the kids. Do you have like a go-to superfood that's like your favorite, like you recommend always? Definitely not. I'm no. so not like everyone's like, what protein powder should I get? <laughs> or what this? And I am like so not product oriented yeah. whatsoever. I mean, I certainly have brands that I like because I like yeah. the taste of them sure. and the nutrition component mm-hmm. of it also. But I'm not like you have to drink mush tea every single day or right. you have to have this, you know, smoothie every mm-hmm. day. In general, I say eat well balanced, eat lots of vegetables. Um, eat high fiber carbohydrates, eat lean proteins. Like it's not one thing that's right. There's not one thing that's like the magic. magic. There's not. And anyone who's selling you the magic is full of it. So don't buy into (laughs) it because there's not one thing that's magic. There's foods that are definitely better than others, but there's not this one food that's like the magic end all be all. So again, be weary of anyone who's trying to sell you on that magic. That is very good advice. (laughs) What is your favorite like, um, air quotes, junk food, chocolate chips, chocolate chips, yes. milk or dark, 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 uh, but not, not like a, no, no, but not like a healthy. Okay. Trader Joe's chocolate chips. Okay. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the 90%. Yeah, okay. No, I'm talking about like straight up Trader chocolate Joe's chips. chocolate chips. I mean, I'll take you to my pantry when we're done here. <laughs> you'll see my stash. You know, my husband used to go to Trader Joe's cause he's in Paramus. So he would go and he would fill up the card of chocolate chips and like the checkout, you know, they're so friendly. Yeah. And they're checking. I was like, oh, you're doing some baking this weekend? <laughs> and he's like, no, they're just for my wife. <laughs> she just likes to snack on them. You know, when I was pregnant with Ben, I just got this like sweet after, you know, like yeah. a lot of people have. And chocolate chips were like, it's, it's, it's like sort of sometimes like a nauseating amount of chocolate chips. <laughs> um, but that's my, I would say that is my junk food that's your of choice of that choice. and um celadora swiss fudge oh yum those are so good so i mean good. they're just so simple so and yet good. so good those For sure. those would say are my but i feel i still like okay i get you on the chocolate chips but i still feel like that's like a healthy it's junk not junky food. enough for you yeah. like i mine are oreos i love oreos i just love them all of them every flavor every type <laughs> i love oreos and cheesecake i love Oh, so I'm not yeah. like, I don't have that like specific dessert. Like I, I would easily I go for like more of like a plain sugar cookie mm-hmm. versus cake anytime. Definitely cookie over cake. Interesting. Yeah. Are you um, like a, a dessert after dinner type of person every time or no? So definitely chocolate after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually at night I'm like sort of a Looking baby. I have that. milk and cookies soy milk and cookies I don't have regular milk but like I have milk and cookies like I realize it's like very juvenile but there's something so like wholesome and just like relaxing and comforting about having a cookie and washing it down with milk that is just I just it hits the spot every time are you restrictive in your house in terms of like sugar cereals and desserts and baking and stuff like that So no, definitely I have junk Mm -hmm. for sure. I definitely try to not buy so much candy because two kids particular, I will not name names, (laughs) cannot 
regulate themselves around candy. And then people are like, oh, it's because you never have it in your house. And it's like, that's not true. Like Mm -hmm. I really have tried to have it in my house. Like they just, one in particular, just cannot stop when it comes to sugar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have two kids who go to sleepaway camp and canteen. They're probably having like four sodas every day. Like, and again, it's, I don't, I don't have soda in the house, but like they just, it's, I don't think it's because I'm restricting here. Like, you know, I give my kids hot dogs. I give my kids, I have, you know, cookies cookies and cakes and everything in the house. I would say totally. I mean, like on a regular week, I'd say like, they're, it's funny, my, my niece and nephew love coming here because yeah. they always say I have sugar cereals. Oh. And my sugar cereals are like honey bunches of oats. Right. Definitely not the healthiest, but it's not frosted flakes, right? right? Yeah. My sister clearly is giving them like Cheerios, like regular old fashioned Hashi, Cheerios. Exactly. Buds, yeah. So they like love coming here. I have the oatmeal squares, which mm. are like, those are really like not so overall <laughs> healthy there. But like, so I would say that I feel like pretty mm-hmm. balanced with like my kids eating in general and our yeah. families eating. Like I would say for dinners, I'm definitely cooking healthy food, but like there's certainly pasta, yeah. there's pizza yeah. Thursday, it's pizza night in my house. So like, right. it's certainly not like tofu and right. sprouted grains yeah. every meal by any means. Yeah. Um, it's balanced. It's exactly. Balanced. That's and how that's, I, I mean, it's so important because like you said, you really do practice what you preach and that makes a huge difference. I my college roommate, no, I'm lying. He was not my roommate, a guy I went to college with. <laughs> That's interesting. Let's go there. <laughs> he grew up in a such a restrictive house. There was no sugar cereals, no cookies. I don't even know if there was ice cream. And I kid you not, his first our first year of college, he had 16 cavities. Like oh, he just didn't know what to yes. do with himself. Yes, he it was nuts. just so Good yeah, I think, I think it's, it's balanced. Yeah. He still has like an aversion to maraschino cherries mm. because he was not allowed to have them growing up because yeah. of the red dye number or whatever. <laughs> like I literally, once we were out, it was like when we were dating, I had one and he looked at me like, he's like, you're going to die. <laughs> I was like, that's what they told you. And yes. that's not true. Exactly. So just relax. It's so funny. My husband happens to love those. And I think they're vile. I agree with that. They that, are pretty vile, but like, it was just me. so funny that yeah. that was like what was instilled in his brain. Totally. Like that's poison <laughs> totally that's so funny all right well before we wrap up I'm going to try something new you're my first one I'm oh, going to no. try this okay. I'm just going to do a couple <laughs> of quick fire questions nothing too crazy okay here we go uh Starbucks or Dunkin Donuts Starbucks what's your drink of choice iced soy latte without the ice so cold. Correct. So how do they do ice. it? Then they strain out the ice? They don't. I think it's maybe like a, no, because it sometimes is warm. They add cold soy milk. Okay. And I think sometimes I get it and it's like lukewarm, but yeah. I'm okay with that because I found that when I leave the ice in, I'm like a sipper. I don't like down. down it like yeah, in two yeah, seconds. Yeah. So it totally waters it down and then it just doesn't taste as good. Mm-hmm. So like I'm good I, without, without the ice. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. interesting. (laughs) You weren't expecting that one. No, I was not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, Cilantro or no? Yes, I love cilantro. I know it is like such a polarizing food because people are like, when I I always ask in that first meeting, food preferences, what you love, what do you hate? Cilantro comes up all All of the the time. time. And it's one of those things is you love it or you hate it. I love it. Like Mexican I think it's food. genetic, right? I think it's like in oh, somewhere in your DNA. I didn't know that, but I cilantro. love it. I love it on ceviche. I am a big cilantro fan. 
well. I could tell by your face that you were no, not. No, I'm very, very much <laughs> not. And I actually remember, um, do you know um, Ina Garten? She's the yes, chef yes. on um, Food Network. Yeah. So she said one time, like, cilantro is, you either love it or hate it. There yes. is zero There's no in-between. In between. There is there not is zero. And it's a very between. strong, distinct taste. So there's no yes. hiding it in the food. Totally, totally, totally. Okay, awesome. So that was... Yeah, that was really fun. And that was a really cool way to get to know a little bit more about you. So before we go for real now, tell everyone where they can find more information about you. So definitely on Instagram, I'm um, at Allison Small Nutrition. Um, I have a website as also, which is allisonsmallnutrition.com. Um, so those are the two best places to reach out to me, to connect, to see the information that I share. Um, on the website, you could also subscribe and get my regular newsletter, which includes great tips and recipes and stuff like that. So definitely log on and subscribe. Um, and yeah, these are the two best places to okay, get to reach me. I'm going to put everything in the notes so everyone can find that. And uh, do you treat adults, kids, men, women, everybody? Men and women, yes. Um, high school and up. I do get a lot of calls about kids. Um and I always said, if I, the quickest way to get busy is to open my open, practice up yeah, to kids. Um, sure. At this stage in the game, I'm not like kids really after school, like that's their time where they, you know, need to meet. And at this stage, I'm just not, not I'm not there yet. Um, however, I will put this out there that if anybody has a good child nutritionist that they work with, dietitian, please, I always beg, I get the call all the time. I'm like, listen, yes, I want to have somebody to give the name. I always refer them back to their pediatrician or to a hospital outpatient setting, um, which usually treats kids. But if anyone listening has found Mm -hmm. that dietitian who works with kids, I I want that name because I get the, I get the question all the time. Okay, great. All right. And before now, the last before we go, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Allison's son, Ben, Ben Small, who has his own podcast. It is called Your Life Sucks. It is awesome. He is the 11th grader that I've referenced in many of my episodes for teaching me how to podcast. So thank you very much to Ben and make sure you check it out. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aviva. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of A Piece of Me. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Seriously, it'll make me do a happy dance. Join me again next time as we continue to share more and more pieces of us. I'm Aviva Breda, and this is A Piece of Me.